Good evening, happy football season, and welcome back to the live shows here on Power Mizzou. Uh, new name this year, uh, that is the State of the Tigers. That's what we're calling our weekly shows, thanks to familiar sponsor, our friend James Carlton, James Carlton State Farm in uh, Webster Groves, Missouri. You can find him online at carltoninsurance.net. We're going to be running James's information across the bottom of the YouTube stream throughout the show, so you will be able to find out exactly how to get in touch with James to take care of all of your insurance needs. You can find him again, carltoninsurance.net. You can call him at 314-961-4800. James was with us a lot last year and back to sponsor the shows this year. And if you call James, get in touch with him and get a quote, he is still doing the same deal he did last year, which is all you got to do is get an insurance quote from him. He is going to uh, for every quote he gives out, when you mention Power Mizzou and this show, he's going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL Collective. So every person that calls him and gets a quote, that's 20 bucks towards Mizzou's NIL efforts, which are uh, a big deal in college football this year. So new name, familiar sponsor. Unfortunately for you guys, same smart-ass host. Uh, I'm here. Gabe DeArmond, Gerard Hamilton going to join us here very shortly, and we're going to talk some Mizzou football tonight. Um, I, I think I know what this show is going to be about. Uh, it's, it's largely going to be about recruiting. I have a feeling if you've got questions, uh, put those in questions, comments, whatever, put them in the comment queue, and we will get to them uh, when we have time throughout this show. But fall camp, has been going on for four days, three days. I don't know, something like that. Uh, three, four days, Gerard and I have been out there. Um, throughout the week, we did not go today. We are going back uh, tomorrow afternoon. We will go back to fall camp. And, and Gerard, I, look, I know I've been doing this for, this is my 21st fall camp. So I don't know about you. I've seen everything I need to see. Like, I, I know everything there is to know about this football team. I know exactly who's going to play every position. And I know exactly what's going to happen in all 12 games. You there? So, uh, no. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not to that point yet. So, I mean, we still got to see, you know, everybody get their numbers officially and all, all that good stuff. And uh, I know you care most about, you know, your favorite battle, who's going to be the starting tight end, because that's the most important uh, position battle to you a hundred percent a hundred percent actually you know it, like look guys we'll just say off the top we have not seen a quarterback throw a ball against a defender so we we cannot tell you if anything has changed about the starting like i think we can do you agree with this Gerard? we can say confidently coming into camp the depth chart if they would have had to play a game on monday afternoon the depth chart would have been brady cook one sam horn two jake garcia three you agree with that? Yep. Yeah. Um, so we haven't seen anything this week that changes our minds on that. That doesn't mean the coaches haven't seen it, but um, like all the focus is going to be on quarterback. I think the biggest position battle in camp is actually center. I, that's the one that I think is the most important over the next three, four weeks. Uh thinking i was thinking edge for a second but it seems like they've kind of shored that up and they kind of know who and what they're going to do there at, at edge so center that's about right um i was just writing something earlier for a notebook that'll come out for you guys later in the week uh, about the offensive line and how even if the people 
you kind of maybe expect to start don't start. They're just going to move them to somewhere else and have them compete there. Like mm-hmm. that's Cameron Johnson's thing. If he doesn't become the starting center, they're just going to move him to a guard spot, probably left guard. They're going to make him compete, you know, versus Delgado and, and Doma Ogar for it. So they're just going to move people around. But I, I mean, we agree it's kind of a problem if he's not the starting center, right? I mean, that's why they brought right. him. Yeah, that's that's right. But that's why I asked uh, Brandon Jones, new O-line coach, and I asked Drink, you know, why do you take an all-conference left guard, bring him in, and then tell him to, you know, play center? And Drink was basically saying best five, and that's why I just told you about the position thing. If it doesn't work there, he was like, we'll just put – we'll see what position it does work at, basically. Because Jones was just like – well, these guys say they want to be in the NFL so that they need to be versatile. They need to be able to move around on the line, whether it's, you know, if there's a swing tackle in there or if it's an interior player, knowing how to play both guard spots and the center spot. So that's kind of the MO there. Well, and the answer to why'd you bring a left guard in to play center is because they need a center. I, I mean, like, they just, like, it just, it, it was, it, it, like, look, I'm not going to pretend that I study the offensive line enough during games to be able to say like, Hey, center was, it was a huge problem, but like Drinkwood's mentioned it over and over last year. And he mentioned it in, in spring ball, they went out and they got a guy that they think can help fix that. Um, and he needs to win the job. Now we both kind of pointed out uh, Tuesday's practice, or I think it was that like, Hey, when we looked at it, like it looked like Connor Tolleson was taking the first team snaps with center, but also it's Cameron Johnson's second day of practice. Like what could he possibly have done to, he still has to come in and earn the job. Like you don't just get brought in and you're immediately the starter at a position. Even Luther Burden wasn't first string last year on his first practice. I think. Right. It's third, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it may, it makes sense because it, it I appreciate their uh, continuity with stuff because they're always saying people need to earn it, even if they're always like um, everybody has to earn it or whatever, even even Javon Foster. Javon Foster isn't in a position battle, but they're going to say that for everybody. So it's good to see the continuity that Connor Tolson was here. He does know how to snap. He, he was the starting center. And at least, you know, it kind of be a, a job to lose type of thing, per se, more than just we brought a guy in here. Here he is. We're going to instantly put him there the first day, first day of camp. That doesn't probably add up to their to what they've been saying. Right. So so kind of to Dave's question, no, it's not concerning that mm-hmm. he is not the starter yet. If we get to August 20th mm-hmm. and he's not the starter, yeah, then that's yeah, that's a little bit concerning because I think everything is predicated on him getting that spot. Like left guard, like you said, Delgado and Doma Ogar, those guys are kind of competing. The left tackle is Javon Foster. The right tackle is Marcellus Johnson. And look, they really like Val Erickson out there. Like I think Val Erickson could push Marcellus Johnson for playing time. Right guard, I I think is pretty clearly Armand Mimbo. Um, So then you get into, well, if Johnson's not at center, is he starting? You know, there's a whole bunch of questions to answer. And T-Rise asked a question that, look, I, I'm not real sure I can answer this because I'm a real bad judge of the difference between 270 pounds and 305 pounds. I think the roster says Tolleson is 305. I don't know. He looks about the same to me as he did last yeah. year. I didn't see a huge difference. Yeah, he. I didn't look at him and think. And there's been players where I've seen him out there and I instantly said, this player is smaller than what we think. This player is bigger than what we think. Like, there's 
it's quite noticeable for some people. When I seen him, I didn't really think that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he just it, look. I would love to have the issue, which I've never had in my life, of struggling to keep weight on. Um, that'd be great if, if somebody can teach me the secret to that. Other than like not eating and working out more, um, I'm, I'm all for it. It's never happened for me in my life. But look, some guys, it, it is a bigger struggle than others. Uh, it, too simplistic wants to know how the running backs have looked again. I don't know. We haven't seen him against a defense. The only the only thing I've noticed watching the running backs is it, Jamal Roberts has a little bit of a different build than the other three guys. I think the other three guys are are a little shorter, stockier guys. Roberts is I I would say he's two or three inches taller than the other backs, and he's just like he's a much leaner guy, right? He's a, he's a he's a taller, leaner back than I think the top three are or the other three are. Right. That's about right. And and as far as what they look like, we're not. Uh, I want to say, yeah, Coach Looper told me something earlier in spring, like you're not going to really be able to distinguish the running backs until they, they start doing scrimmages. When they start playing the defense and some type of simulated way, then you can kind of tell who's who, who's good at what or blah, blah, blah. But when they're just doing handoffs and go up this hole versus air, there's nothing, you know, you can't discern anything from that. Right. And, and kind of along those lines, uh, tobacco's comment struck me how good Garcia's arm is from some of the Twitter clips. Look, my thought when, when some of those things are tweeted out is if you are an sec quarterback, you should look incredible throwing against no defense. Like every pass should be complete. They should all be on a line. You know, like I, I, I just, I refuse to put very much stock in anything we've seen so far because you, you just, there's literally no like if you put me at the free throw line and and shoot video of it like there are times I'm gonna make nine out of ten and ten out of ten right well, but there's nobody in the stands there's there's nobody else standing there there's nobody trying to block a shot it, it's just it, it's not a game situation right um I do you notice any big difference like arm strength like I don't know. I mean, I would guess Sam Horn probably has the strongest arm, but Brady Cook's arm is strong enough to play quarterback in the SEC. Like, it, it's not, you know, he doesn't have Blaine Gabbert's arm. He he doesn't have just this rocket, but but he has a good enough arm to throw the football. All right, and he also doesn't have a torn labrum, so I'm sure that's going to <laughs> help him a, a little bit. Um, all of them have like you said, good enough arms. Uh, Garcia, Garcia, he has the arm that they think he can make all the throws, but it's technical things that they, you know, footwork and stuff like that. They want him to work at and getting used to to his teammates and the wide receivers and where they like the balls. That's what they they care about for him, if we're being specific. Yeah, what, wide receiver is interesting to me. Like if you just had to, and, and I'm, a, like, I'm not sure we've seen him in a position that we can answer this question. But if you had to tell me, or if I told you Missouri starting three three receivers against South Dakota, first snap, which three receivers are on the field? Burden, Weiss, Cooper. And I I want to say, I don't know if it was, maybe Drink even said that to me at media days or someone else told me that, that I'm just like, that that makes sense. Maybe I heard that during but I feel like someone told me that specific three. I mean, uh for the wide receivers article I just posted the other day, 
Um, that's what Drake was saying. Like Mookie Cooper is Mr. Consistency. And you can kind of tell in spring um, when we talked to Mookie, he just told us it's like the little details that are off the field that he's been working on, like how he's studying the film, uh, getting extra workouts in, you know, um, when it's on the field, it's maybe, you know, being a little bit more crisp with his routes, you know, doing extra work with QBs, things like that. So they're really liking how he's kind of taking a different approach, you know, to the game. And then it brought Theo in to be outside. And obviously Luther's going to be in the slot. So I'd say those are the three. I, I think Luther and Weiss are for sure. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if Makai Miller's a, a starter uh in this optical game. I, I just it's not that he can be he definitely can be but I feel like uh drink I want to say drink said at media days he'd back up Luther maybe that first guy off the bench type of thing um good hands good route runner yeah I think they think he's you know he can I think they think he can play outside and in but mm-hmm. I think they like what he does so he could you know be a good slot guy for him I feel like drink said that but maybe maybe I'm tripping. I got you I got you um all right so look is there anything Real quick, we're we're gonna get interviews tomorrow. We we're not mm-hmm. sure yet who we're talking to. We have requested some of the guys that that you guys will probably want to hear from. We're trying to talk to Tavoris Jones, to DJ Wesselak, to to Cameron Johnson. You know, some of these guys that that maybe. Oh, we talked to Cam. Oh, Marcellus. Or, we've talked to Cam. Or Marcellus Johnson. My bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Niles Gaddy. You know, so some of the the guys that like we expect to play take on bigger roles or or some of the guys that you guys are wondering about. I mean, is there anything that either you feel like you have learned this week or anything that over the next two weeks you're like, hey, this is something I'm, I'm interested to see that, that we haven't really hit on before we get on to what I think everybody really wants to talk about today? I think the most interesting thing in the week, and I wrote it down it in the four down territory, and I wrote it earlier in the week, is just the, the quarterback's approaches. First off, so thankful for the access to talk to all of them. Like right. I didn't, I don't know. It just felt weird being able to to talk to all of them in that setting. But I just find it, I found it intriguing, kind of their all of their approaches to this QB competition, uh, especially Jake Garcia's. I don't think anybody's personality ranks above one another. But I just thought his was the more, you know, the raw, the real one of kind of just like I'm here to take somebody's job. I mean, I want everybody to win, but that's kind of after I see if I can win my competition. Right. So. Um, it was just kind of cool to see how everybody approached it and him say that. I feel like that's what everybody thinks a quarterback is thinking, but a lot of them, you know, they keep it sweet, they keep it short, or, you know, they, they maybe not say anything. And Jake was just like, now nah, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And I was like, okay, that's interesting because no one, you know, typically does that. It, it would be interesting to be able to, to like follow those guys around for a day, right? And actually do a story like, what's it like inside a quarterback competition and, and have them be right. because like this is a quarterback competition and I'm sure they're all friends. I'm sure they all get along and I'm sure every one of them doesn't want the other two guys to ever see the field, you know? <laughs> and that's an interesting dynamic that, that they never really uh, are going to, to let you in on. So, all right. So let's get to what people want to talk about here real quick. Uh, Williams one We've got him as the number three player in the country. Number one player in the state of Missouri. I know other places have him as the number one player in the country, and that's fine, but we don't recognize or reference them. So he is, for our purposes, at least for the time being, the number three player in the country. From Lee Summit North, defensive end, uh, did confirm finally tonight that he is going to make his announcement on August 14th, which is a week from Monday. Um, Oklahoma, Missouri, Georgia, Tennessee, Oregon, the teams under consideration. Most people 
do not believe that the last three are under serious consideration. Most people believe this to be an Oklahoma, Missouri thing. Um, the most interesting thing he did an interview and, and I will credit Chad Simmons of on three, uh, got the quotes from, from Will. And he said he actually made this decision two or three weeks ago. Like he's kind of known where he wants to go for a little while. So I don't know, man. Uh, how big I, how like, I'll ask you this because I'll talk a little bit about what I think and the, and where things stand, but like how big would this be for Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri to get a guy that frankly, three months ago, we thought there was almost no shot at. I'm going to take a stab at the, at the football side of things. Cause I know you're the big, big perspective guy. So I'll do the football with them losing all those defensive tackles next year. Cause at least about what three or four of them are graduates. So was it Josh Landry, Christian Williams, yeah. D Rob, and uh, realists, that's four defensive tackles because they brought all those defensive tackles back. They don't really have defensive ends. I mean, they got Johnny Walker. It seems like he's going to be a starter. Mm -hmm. But they kind of moved D-Rob out to edge. So if you can say I'm basically starting with a fresher D-line, obviously you're going to have Marshall Grassi out on that. But basically a fresh D-line, and you could throw a five-star guy, a top-five guy in the country, you know, to start that reboot on the defensive, defensive line, that's pretty big to, you know, go into the next era of the defense or whatever. Um that's huge from, from that standpoint. Um, I'll let you go ahead and talk about the big picture type of things and how big this would be for drink. Right. So, so before I get to that, I do want to say guys that, uh, look, we are running a business here. And <laughs> one of the things that, uh, one of the sayings I like, right. Is if you can get the milk for free, you don't got to pay for the cow. always, Right. So I'm just going to tell you right now, like, we got a chamber to write in the morning. We got some stuff that is probably going to be on the site in the morning that we might not say here. Now, I'm not saying that we know Williams Winery is committing to Missouri. I, 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 look, if I knew that, like, we'd, we'd let you know. But I, I don't know that. Point is, um, I'm going to put up a graphic here for you real quick. Starting at midnight tonight, if you guys do not subscribe, starting at midnight, we're going to give you 67% off a your first year of an annual subscription. I mean, look, guys, we have not raised our price. I've been working here since 2003. We have not one time raised our prices and we're not giving you 67% off that. 33 bucks for an entire year, Tigers 2024. This is not going to work until midnight tonight, but at midnight central time, you can do that. We'll have the chamber in the morning. That offer is going to go through Monday afternoon. So where I think we stand in this is, is I think it's Oklahoma and Missouri. And I, I, I would be, I would be stunned if it's anywhere else. Um, I think that Oklahoma was like forever considered the leader. And Missouri has, this is like coming around the far turn. Oklahoma got like a 10 length lead on everybody. And then all of a sudden, you know, this horse from like fourth place starts coming up and now we're going to have a photo finish. I, I think it's that close. Um, it depends on who you talk to. I know there are Oklahoma people that feel pretty confident. I also know those Oklahoma people seem a little less confident than they seemed two weeks ago. I know Missouri people who feel pretty confident. Um, the kid, I don't think, has informed anybody on either staff. I don't think the staffs know for sure where he's going. I'm not sure when they'll find out. They might find out with the rest of us on August 14th. Um, I think Missouri has a great shot here. And, and, I want to say this, this new state law 
with NIL, this is a big deal, guys. This Dude. is a big deal. Like, if Missouri get, finishes this recruiting class the way that it looks like is possible, and the best-case scenario here is – well, the best-case scenario, honestly, is that Jeremiah McClellan surprises us and commits to Missouri next Sunday night. I would lean toward that right now not happening, but it is not dead. I don't think. I don't think it's impossible. Then Williams Winery picks him on Monday. Uh, Ryan Wingo eventually commits to them, all that. Like, this state law is a huge deal. For those not familiar, what it basically says is that if you are a Missouri high school kid who goes to a Missouri school, so like Williams Winery could commit to Northwest Missouri State and get this same deal. Um, I don't think the money would be quite the same. But basically, he could start getting that money the day he signs the letter of intent. That is a minimum of a month and probably more like six months sooner than he can get it from anywhere else. If these kids do not go to Missouri, I can tell you the reason is not financial, right? Like, I, I know I know there has been skepticism. I, I will just tell you that Missouri is absolutely competitive um, in these recruitments in NIL. And I would, honestly, I would say probably more than competitive. Um, so, and it's so weird talking about this because we spent years following recruiting where like, you kind of knew sometimes it was happening, but you weren't allowed. Now it's just, this is part of the deal, guys. I mean, you have to be out there and, and Missouri has, has gotten these laws pushed through and they've kind of been on the forefront. And if they get these guys, that's absolutely a reason why. And, and I, I don't, you know, I don't really, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's perfectly within the rules now. So, um, you know, Missouri is, is using every advantage it possibly can uh, we, again, I'll break these down a little more in the chamber tomorrow morning about kind of how I'm feeling, why I'm feeling that way. Uh, Missouri's right there. Um, he's going to announce a week from Monday and we will see where it goes. And, uh, and speaking of recruiting, what we're going to do right now, I'm going to, uh, give Gerard a break for a few minutes. We got Drew King waiting here in the, uh, in the green room, as we, we would like to call it. And cause we got some basketball news too. And so if you, we'll get back to football, we're going to spend about 10, 15 minutes with Drew. We're going to bring Gerard back and, and we'll finish up with football, but, but we want to talk a little bit of basketball right now. So Drew King on the screen now next to me. So if you guys have basketball questions, fire them away. Now we'll get back <clears> to your football questions, uh, comments, all that when Gerard comes back on, but, uh, spend a few minutes with Drew and, uh, Drew, Welcome to the job, man. Missouri, Missouri recruiting just screwing up your vacation plans already. <laughs> well, I want to start by saying, like, thank you to everybody who's watching to hear us talk about college basketball in August while the NFL Hall of Fame game is going on. Y'all are the real MVPs. <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, it is like it, it kind of tells you, it shows you what Dennis Gates has done here in a, a little over a year that, like, our message boards are. There is much talking about two potential top 100 basketball players as, as they are, you know, two potential top 100 football players. And, and we're in the month of August. So, look, you've you've uh, we got two decisions coming up and, and we're not going to spend a ton of time. First one's Marcus Allen on uh, not the Chiefs running back um, on Monday night. 
also I know he was a Raiders running back. We don't recognize that franchise. So. Um, <laughs> but uh, Monday night, uh, Marcus Allen, 6 p.m. Central, I believe, is going to make his announcement. It's what it, Drew, I know it's Missouri, Arkansas. I think Stanford's in there. Mm. Uh, Miami's in there. Yeah. I don't know. There are a couple others. It kind of seems, I mean, like, look, we feel pretty good about Missouri's chances because they've been there since the start. But it would seem to me if there's competition here, it's Miami. Yeah, so he's a Miami kid, right? That would be him staying at the local school, being a hometown kid. Um, so that's kind of the thinking there. He did take and a not visit that, to not Stanford. that Miami's NIL has, has right. gotten anything accomplished in the last year or two, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, um, but but he's he's also taken the visit to Stanford. Um, so I, I would say that they're also kind of in the running. What I found interesting was I talked to Marcus like just three weeks ago and I asked him, you know. Do you have other visits planned? When do you like what kind of timeline do you have on making a decision? And he said, I do want to take a couple more visits. I don't have specifics on where or when yet, but that is something that I want to do. Um, and then I don't have a specific timeline on when I want to commit, but um, I do kind of want to do it sooner rather than later, um, definitely before the start of my senior year in high school. So something has helped Marcus Allen kind of make up his mind here. Um, and so what I'll say with Mizzou is the connection there is with Charlton Young, Coach CY. Um, he was the first coach to ever offer Marcus. Um, they go way back to when he was in middle school. Um, and they're from the same part of Miami. And, and Marcus has talked about that's something that they really connect over is that they um, have gone through similar circumstances Um growing up in the same neighborhood. And so um, Mizzou's hope here is that that kind of connection is gonna bring Marcus to Mizzou and get him um, out of Miami and, and keep him away from Stanford. Yeah, um, and he, he's he's a six, seven kid. I mean, he's a he's a small forward. He's a wing with, with I think, at least from people I've talked to, probably more, like power forward traits than shooting guard traits. Does that, does that track? Yeah. So I've seen him play a couple games. Um, I, I think that for sure it's, it's more kind of forward than guard with Marcus. Um, I, I'm, I wouldn't say he has um, like the greatest handle in the world, but I think where you will see him um, make an impact on the perimeter is defensively, right? Because he is six, eight, he's super athletic. Um, he can switch across a whole bunch of different, positions. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of where you'll see him make the biggest difference is on the defensive end. I, I should have mentioned earlier too, he played at the same high school as Trent Pierce last year at AZ Compass, um, went on mm -hmm. a big run in the Geico National. So there, there are more connections with Mizzou um, that kind of meets the eye with Marcus. And that year at a prep school is a big deal. Um, I had somebody tell me earlier this week, it, it did wonders for Trent Pierce. You know, so, uh, you know, Tio Barrett's at, at Link Academy. Um, so that's something that I think Missouri likes. Uh, and defensively, like you said, I, I actually, uh, when when Allen announced that he was announcing, I uh, I was texting with Rob Cassidy, who's our national basketball analyst, and and I uh, sent him a picture of, of my Marcus Allen in a Chiefs uniform. And I said, you know, this is, this is the Marcus Allen I recognize. And, and he wrote back, he said, this one plays a lot better defense than that one did, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then the other announcement is, I believe it's next well, Friday. 
Real, real quick, Gabe. One more thing I want to mention. You know, Mizzou. I won't say that. Anyways, Dallas Thomas picked Clemson over Mizzou, mm-hmm. right? So uh, what we know about yeah. Mizzou's kind of approach is that um, they have a spot open for a forward right now, such as Marcus Allen. So mm-hmm. um, I think that the Mizzou interest is there as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other decision we're awaiting is Peyton Marshall um, next Friday. I, we list him at 6'10", 305. I no longer know if that's accurate. I am curious, you know, Gerard and I were just talking about offensive line. I mean, if for some reason basketball doesn't work out, I know it's really tall, but like he looks like a kid who could shove some dudes <laughs> around on the line of scrimmage in the SEC. I, and it, it's interesting because he was a guy that, we had kind of like, I don't know about you. I'd kind of thought, yeah, I mean, he committed to Auburn. Mm -hmm. Um, But even after that, like when he opened it up, you just, he visited Missouri so long ago. I just kind of thought, and they've moved on to other guys, but I, you know, then we started to hear his name a little bit recently and he announced a commitment. And I know that, that, I mean, myself and I know some other people have put in predictions that, that they think Missouri is going to win this one. The one, Mm -hmm kind of hiccup is literally three days before his announcement, he's taking a visit to Mississippi state next weekend. Right. And if you think about, you know, the type of bigs that Mississippi state likes, you know, kind of like a Tolu Smith, Peyton Marshall checks a lot of boxes for him. Right. So I I think that he'll be kind of a high priority for him. But um, when it comes to Missouri and Peyton Marshall, you know, first of all, he's from St. Louis, uh, was born there. He lives in Georgia now, but still has a lot of family in the area. Um, He told me that while he was on his official visit at Mizzou, um, his family came to see him while he was here in Columbia. Um, So I, I think that that connection is something that Marshall has like really cares about and, and really appeals to him. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when, when he decommitted from Auburn, I think I called him uh, literally a week after. And and he said that Mizzou was one of the teams that reached out to him and, and to get in on him um, kind of that early, I think was, was pretty important that they still had that kind of interest. Um, so for me, the biggest contender when he de- decommitted was Ole Miss, right? Mm-hmm. His lead recruiter at Auburn, Wes Flanagan, um, joined Chris Beard's staff. And so uh, he ended up taking the, an official visit out there. But um, as we know now, like Ole Miss just picked up a commitment from John Bowl. So um, I'm a little skeptical that they would want to pick up Bowl and Marshall. It seems like they have their big man now, especially uh, if uh, – Oh, what's his name? Musa uh, Di- Diabate, I, the the Oklahoma State you, big. You could literally pronounce that any way you wanted to. And <laughs> I would um, the but the the transfer that they got in from Oklahoma State may or may not be eligible to play this year because it is his second transfer, and I don't think he's a graduate senior. So uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm just not convinced that Ole Miss has another spot open for a freshman big next year. I would kind of take them off the board. So like you said, I think it, it's going to come down to Missouri or Mississippi State. Yeah, and, and again, we feel pretty confident. You know, I've put in future casts for both those kids. We think we think as of right now, Missouri's in really good shape for both of them. And with Marshall especially, it's interesting. We've gone from a roster of everybody saying, oh my God, our guys are all short and we can't get any rebounds, right, to – Seven foot Jordan Butler, 
six nine or ten Trent Pierce, maybe six ten Peyton Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the uh, and, and we will get into I'll get into this in the chamber tomorrow too. But the one other thing that that uh, we did post on our message board is that on our boating. Uh, and by the way, Boateng and Marcus Allen right now are both out at an Adidas camp out in L.A. Um, this week. So they're they're kind of out there together. But Honor is uh, scheduled to visit Missouri the last weekend in August, uh, 25th through the 27th, I think, are the dates. And um feels like if Missouri can close on these two this week and add Honor Boateng, like, that's about as good as you can hope for. Like that's a, that's a top 10 ish high school class uh, for top 110 type players. You'd have a point guard, you'd have a shooting guard, you'd have a small forward and you'd have a guy in the middle like that. That checks all the boxes. Yeah. If they pick up either of Marcus Allen or Peyton Marshall, let alone both like, either one of those guys would be their highest ranked recruit since they got Michael Porter Jr., right? So this is like a big deal for for the program in general to be able to land um, this caliber of guys. So, uh, yeah, like I, I think that if they're able to get both and Honor Boateng, as you said, um, that's a really strong class um, and, and would probably build up a lot of hype heading into um, not this next season, but the one after it. No question. And uh, is it too soon to build a Dennis Gates statue? I will simply close out this, uh, the basketball segment, quoting a friend of mine, a longtime Missouri basketball fan, who frequently says to me, find anything that anyone loves the way Missouri fans love the idea of building a statue. So uh, yes, too soon to build a a (laughs) Dennis Gates statue, certainly. But uh, Drew, appreciate you taking some time and catching everybody else up. And uh, I promise after after next week, I, look, I hope they get two commitments because you delayed your vacation week. So I hope that happens. And then you can have a week <laughs> after that. No, it sounds good. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you. We're going to bring Gerard back in now. Uh, get back back to a little bit of football talk. Everybody's still begging me to uh, make predictions on on where Williams or Gwinnery is going to school. Because, look, we all know like what I predict is certainly going to uh, impact where these kids go. I'm sure they're just waiting for me to uh, to make the call to figure out where they are going to go. So let's see. Um, all right, let's pick back up with some some questions about <clears throat> football and about what people have. Hayden wants to know how good is Theo Weiss. I mean, I, I, I haven't watched him a lot, Gerard. I don't know if you've paid much attention to him running routes at practice and, and, and what we see, but you know, I mean, the kid was at one point, now it's been four years, but he was at one point a five-star player in the top 20 in the country. Didn't see him too much. Like, I, like I've like i been trying to tell you guys, the way practice is set up and how we're all spread around and how we only get 45 minutes, it's hard to sometimes see certain players. But from talking to some people and what they think about Theo is, well, what I got back in the spring was they're they're impressed he made a few, like, kind of, Kind of like wild catches, you know, maybe some contested catches or one hand catches on that. Not a, a whole lot, but something was just like, all right, that's good to know that you're capable of doing that. Uh, I, I said earlier he would be that, you know, that X receiver on the outside. It seems like he's pretty much going to have that that locked up on the outside right now. But um, they, they think he's a good player. He can stretch the field. He's going to be the, probably, you know, one of those vertical routes. He averaged almost 20 yards per uh, per reception last year. So, um. If they can get the ball throwing, you know, throwing deep, he's going to be one of those guys they can, you know, throw it to at 6'1", 6'2", 
nice hands, good speed. Like that's their, their throw the ball up guy, I guess. The most interesting receiver to me, and it, it's it's funny because like the other day we both we didn't talk about it at all, but we both kind of mentioned him in our practice takeaways. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming he is going to probably be the guy that backs up Theo Weiss, but is Dennis Jackson. Um mm-hmm. like he's just some guys you watch and you just watch a move and you go, Oh, there's a little something there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jackson has straight line speed, but like just watching a few of the drills we did, he's he's got some shiftiness and some wiggle too. Now, you know, I know um some people that that have covered Dennis in the past, and like the what I was told when he committed here was he's got all the physical tools, but like it has to become important to him. You know, he maybe maybe wasn't quite as locked in as he needed to be to succeed on this level. Uh, so if he is now that, you know, the physical tools are there. But, like, just looking at this receiving core, I mean, like, we're not even talking about Jamarion Wayne. Like, there's just a lot of dudes. And, I, you know, we haven't even mentioned the freshman. Daniel Blood already has his number. Josh Manning already has his number. Marquise Johnson already has his number. I mean, we're talking about nine guys, like, three of them probably aren't going to play very much. I don't know which three there are, but there just aren't enough reps for all of them. Yeah. It's drink said, it's going to be like when somebody asked, you know, what besides quarterback, what position battles are going to be kind of the most intense. And we talked so much about how deep it is and how much depth they got a wide receiver. And you don't kind of think like, you just, you just think, all right, depth, but you don't think that much about it. You just think, all right, there, we've got that solved. But he's like, we've got eight or nine guys who, who can get some playing time. And so, yeah, Dennis, when we seen him, like, when they was doing the drill in front of us, I just remember thinking, like, mm, like <laughs> he got somebody real bad. Right. Um, and, look, to be fair, maybe the guy tackle, trying to tackle him was, like, a walk-on a tight end or something. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, but he looked good. Yeah. yeah. And, and so what his thing is, he's one of those guys they think can play outside and inside. You know, whatever wherever they need him to be. Um, you guys have been reading, uh, you know, throughout the offseason, keep saying he's – Luther Burden-esque as far as the type of receiver he is. He's more of a quick guy than a, a burner. They want to give him the ball in the space. So I'm expecting screens and end arounds and uh, maybe drag route slant stuff that's going to, you know, real quick route, route and then get the ball and let him do whatever he does because uh, that's more of the type of guy he is. Uh, what do you think about Burden replacing Lovett's production? We've talked about this on the show before, but it, let me say this. Like, there's a chance Luther Burden could have 100 targets this year. I think Missouri's a better team if the number's not that high. Because I think it means he's commanding enough attention that, uh, like, offense, especially in the passing game, is real simple. Create mismatches. Like, we saw that in the Tennessee game last year, right? Like, flat out, Josh Heupel just out-schemed Missouri. And he had a few plays where he managed to get some dudes wide open that, like, literally you could have gotten open. I mean, and you're not Jalen Hyatt, but you could have got open on some of those. Um, You know, so I I think what they do with some of these guys and and if they can if they can single up Luther, that's great. But singling up anybody is great. Like, hey, if they want to send two guys at Luther, great. That means somebody else doesn't have two guys on them and you got to go beat when you're one on one. Yeah, I mean, I just when I think about this offense overall, from what I've been told and how, how the coaches are talking. It just seems like kind of a sigh of relief at the depth they've got at, at these positions. Like, sure, there's quarterback battles and running back and all that stuff, but they're like, all right, if someone goes down, if someone's not performing up to 
expectation. Here, here's another body. This is what we'll do here at quarterback, running back, receiver, offensive line. Um, we'll move this person here. We'll do that. Like last year, it wasn't like that. It was more of a, I guess here. I mean, here we go. Right. We'll throw something out there because we have to play the game. But this year, it feels like you know we're really trying to get the best such and such players on the field. That's what they keep saying. They've got they've got options that they didn't have last year, and, right. and I think at multiple positions at offensive line, like that's the biggest thing about offensive line to me is okay if Xavier Delgado is not good enough, then maybe EJ is, or maybe Tristan Wilson mm-hmm. is, or like. I feel like they've got nine or 10 guys who you could put out there and you wouldn't think, Oh my God, this is disaster. And they did not have that last year at quarterback. Clearly they didn't have anybody that they thought they could play because Uh, they tried tried to Kansas state. That was their, that was their one time. And they said, Oh no, Oh no, we're good. He just got intercepted. Oh wait, he just got intercepted again. On consecutive with consecutive passes. I think yes, like to start the yeah. 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 So, and, uh, you know, but, but I feel like they have options this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Justin wants to know, do you see the staff trying to use the freshman tight end similar to how Georgia uses Brock Bowers? Um, I won't put that on. I, I, I would literally put that on no one like Brock Bowers. Is, Brock Bowers is, I will tell you right now, I want the chiefs to do everything they have to do to trade up, to get Brock Bowers, to be Travis Kelsey's replacement. I love that kid. Please do that. No, Missouri does not have Brock Bowers on this roster. No. Um, tight end by committee for sure. Um, they're drink said he they're not gonna do they're not gonna put any undue pressure on any of the tight ends, especially Brett. He's excited that he's there and stuff. Um, just watching Brett, you know, Brett and Jordan. I mean the whole tight end group, you know, uh do a couple of drills. The things I was just thinking when I seen those specific players, Harrison and Norfleet catch passes, I was just thinking. Well, they can catch the ball, which I know that sounds like not much, but last year they did have some drop. Yeah, they they had only 10 receptions as a unit, and they probably should have had some more. And it's not like they were getting a lot of targets, so they can catch. But I wasn't thinking nifty and shifty when they caught the ball and would run upfield. It was more of a, I can catch. Let me run a few yards. And, you know, at that point, it's can I get past the defender? Can I fall forward? Obviously, they were catching the ball, and they weren't doing much. We don't get to see those parts of practice. I'm talking about one specific drill or whatever. But that's the first thought I got in my head. I didn't think, oh, this guy is a wide receiver playing tight end. I didn't get that based off what I've seen, but there's literally four weeks of camp, so we'll see. I think that question legitimately could have been, do you see this staff trying to use the freshman tight end? Like, and just stop it right there. Oh, if it's that, yes. Yes, because because like I I was joking with somebody at practice the other day, we were like, Kirby Moore's got to go remind drink that he has tight ends like that. They're on this roster because they just weren't used. And look, I I get it. They they didn't have enough there last year. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think Drinkwitz intentionally has an offense that doesn't utilize the tight end. I just don't think he had guys that could do a lot for him there last year, to be quite honest. They either either didn't have the hands didn't have the blocking, a combination of both, or they were too small. Like there's all the things you cannot do at tight end is the problems they had. And the new, the newer kids, they they have the size and stuff. It's all about, you know, how quickly they grasp the playbook and, and you know, fundamentals and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, quick question, kind of rules related to simplistic wants to know 
going back to our discussion about the NIL stuff, what if they sign an NLI, they get paid, and then they back out? What happened? I mean, we're talking about kind of an extreme circumstance here, right? I, I, and I don't know the answer to this, but I am assuming that these NIL payments are going to have language in them. Like they literally have to be Missouri kids who go to a Missouri school, right? So maybe they can get the payment on December 20th, but I think it's still going to be contingent on them actually enrolling and going to school at Missouri. Um, like if they, if, if let's say something were to arise where Winery, Wingo, whoever it is, commits to Missouri, signs on December 20th, they start getting NIL money. Then like in February, they're like, hey, I want out of my NLI. And you have to ask for a release because the National Letter of Intent is binding for a year. Um, so you have to be released from it. Now, the school is almost always going to release them from it because it's terrible PR not to if they have some reason they want to get out of it. But I don't, I think we're creating a, a problem that's not really going to, I don't really see a kid committing to Missouri, getting like three months of NIL money and then going, yo, I went out of my letter of intent to go somewhere else. I, I just don't see that as a realistic scenario. And I would think the people drawing up these deals are smart enough to have, you know, afforded something for that contingency. Um, now look, here is, here is what can happen. And I've said this, if I was advising a kid from the state of Missouri or from any other state that has laws like this, because Arkansas does, I think Texas does, there are some other ones. If I was advising any of these kids, I would say sign with the in-state school, get the money, go there for a year. If you hate it, just go in the portal and you got a hundred thousand, 200,000, 300,000, whatever that number is, you've got that in the bank. The, the other schools you were considering probably still going to take you in a year, you know, but but go get the money there, play a year. And then next December, you want to transfer out? Hey, man, everybody's a free agent. Deal with it then. Uh, and and that's not just with Missouri and, and the kids we're talking about. That's again, that's with any school that has these laws. I, I think it's I, it, I, I think these the schools are and the states are using the loopholes and using these laws to their advantage. Um. And I think honestly, the kids should uh, should do the same thing. Uh, okay, well, real quick, go ahead. Dave, to, to piggyback on that a little bit from a again from a football perspective, if a, a kid was to sign their NLI, yeah, their NLI, NLI right? You NLI and NIL, you always get to uh, that. Yeah, uh, if they were to do that, and then for your scenario, leave in February, like or maybe not even just February, but somewhere around spring camp ish type right. things. It's not a guarantee that another school has not already replaced you and found who the guy is. Because once you once you sign or you commit, no one's gonna say, ah, well, I'm gonna, unless they really know something. But you've already signed your, you know, for the the NIL, NL, you know what I'm saying. You've already signed that away, so no one's gonna leave a spot open for you. So it wouldn't be smart on kids to do that anyway, because you'd be in you'd be in no man's land. Yeah. So here's the question that. I've that that if things go a certain way, this question is going to come up a lot. What's mm -hmm. it do for drinks job security if he lands Winery, Wingo, or both? Um, I strongly believe that in football, you do not let one to a small number of individual players determine whether or not you move on from a coach. The only possible exception 
would be if it's a quarterback, right? Like, let's say whoever the next Caleb Williams is, if your coach has him signed and he goes four and eight, maybe you go, well, we got this kid coming and we think he's going to fix a lot of problems. It's really hard for a defensive end or a wide receiver to do that. Um, Now, that is not an argument like to fire Eli Drinkwitz. That's not my point. I'm just saying if you get to the end of the season and that's where your head's at, then I don't think these two kids being on the commitment list should change that opinion. I think you should make that opinion. I think you should make that decision independent of this. That is true. Although for me, I'm thinking maybe not a four and eight and and worse to me seems like kind of what you said. It needs to be independent. Now, right. if it's but what five, if they're six and six? Yeah, I'm about to say if they're five and seven, six and six, and you've got close losses or any type of weird losses like Kentucky and Auburn last year, and then you say, well, did get these these five star guys? Like I can see how that can be like all right. That can tip you over for the next year if if that's the case. But like you said, for the most part, it should be an independent thing. Here would be my argument against that. And, and again, we are speaking a hypothetical. I'll be honest. I don't think this is going to happen. I think Missouri's going to win enough games that we're not going to be talking about Eli Drinkwitz's job at the end of the year. I really, I think this is a seven, maybe an eight win football team. I don't mm-hmm. think we're talking about his job at the end of the year. But in this hypothetical that has been presented to us, we are. So in that case, let's say Missouri's gone five and seven, six and six, whatever it is. And somebody's saying, well, yeah, but look, we got these two five stars and all that. And my counter to that would be, yeah, but you had two five stars at receiver on this team and right in Weiss and, and Burden. And you had a four-star, you had two four-star quarterbacks in Garcia and Horn, and you just went six and six. So like, why would I believe that these two guys are going to change what those guys did? Now, you see what I'm saying? Again, I, I, I want to str- – like, it's very important for me to say, I don't think this is a conversation right. we're going to be having. Like, I think he's going to win enough games that this is not a conversation. We're just answering the hypothetical. I think you can – we can go back and forth with context all day. It'd be the same reason to as to, um, you know, why Brady Cook – enters camp as the incumbent why people think uh you know they could have went eight and four last year like they were really close to to going eight and four obviously they didn't go eight and four but you can kind of play you can play context with anything and say well you almost did this with you know a lower ranked recruit or whatever prospect and brady cook you had all these injuries and all this bad play on the offensive line and you basically should have went eight and four and you got plays that almost never happened that no one has really seen before happen to you and you went six and six. So you really can play context with any scenario you want to just depending on what side of the coin you're on. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think this is something we're going to be talking about. I, I really do. I, I think this is like, I've come around, even if I'm still picking seven and five, I might say eight is more likely than six. Um, yeah, I'm leaning closer to eight. I already told you guys the Kansas State thing. It, it just depends mm-hmm. what the quarterback situation. But in my head, I'm thinking eight. But to be safe, I'll say seven and five for now. Yeah. Um. All right. So, look, we, we all know what's out there, guys. Uh, Gerard, I'm just going to offer you the chance. If you want to make a couple predictions before we oh. show this, shut this down, you are welcome to do so. Uh, if not, feel free to. 
not. You know what? Nah, they, they, I've got enough. <laughs> I got enough on my plate. You know what? You you've got it. We are we are again gonna have a chamber tomorrow morning. Um, and we will go into a little bit more depth on all of this. I do want to uh remind you guys, I'll put this graphic up one more time on the YouTube show. Promo code Tigers2024 at midnight. That's gonna work. If you are watching, we got 150 people on here. I assume some of you do not subscribe. If you are watching and you do not subscribe, do it sometime between midnight tonight and 5 p.m. Monday. You're going to save 67% off a year. Um, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to make a prediction on these two kids tonight on this podcast. Uh, I would say of the three kids Missouri is looking at, if I order them in the likelihood that they end up at Missouri, I would put Ryan Wingo number one, Williams Winery number two, and Jeremiah McClellan number three. Um, and I have a question for you, real quick, on that. Yeah. Would Williams could he not be first due to his due date being closer? I mean, there's so much that can change between now and December for Ryan, Would, right? No, I know what you're saying. And, and look, this is all assuming Missouri has a this is all assuming that the place they commit is the place they sign, that Missouri has a season that's going to keep kids on board, whatever. So that's what I'm basing this on. I mean, I'm not basing this on whatever might happen between now and December 20th. Uh, but but my order of likelihood is Wingo, Winery, McClellan. I would put the over-under out of those three kids at one and a half. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll tell you in the chamber which whether I take the over-under on that. I was about to say. I was about to I'm say, Gabe, you over? I'm you over you? I'm going to sleep on it again, man. You got to, you, you can't, you cannot give away the milk for free. You, you, you got to hold a little something back, man. I hear you. So, so, all right. Seriously, though, guys, appreciate you all uh, joining us. Once again, we've had James Carlton's information running across the screen on the YouTube uh, channel the entire time. If you are listening on the podcast, which I'm going to put together right after this, carltoninsurance.net. Phone number is 314-961-4800. You can also look up Carlton Insurance on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page there. James was a, a great partner of ours last year. He's back. He's going to be sponsoring these weekly shows. Gerard and I are going to do at least one every week from here on out. Once we get into the season, that that may expand to two. Just kind of depends on how things are going, how much news there is, what the audiences are like, things like that. But uh, James Carlton is, is going to be here for every one of them, and he wants to help Mizzou out. We talked a lot of NIL here that's what james that has been james's focus for a year of doing this so if you call james carlton you get in touch go online and get a quote from him you mentioned power mizzou he's going to donate 22 dollars or 20 dollars 22 would be really weird but he's going to donate 20 dollars to every two tiger foundation uh for every quote he gives out every little bit helps uh and again the nil stuff is like, look, guys, we aren't having these conversations if it's not a factor at Missouri. I'm just, I'll just leave it there. So, um, appreciate James. Appreciate all you guys. Uh, thanks to Drew King for joining us. Gerard, I will see you tomorrow afternoon and we'll talk to you all next time.